The Talking Points podcast is produced in partnership with C. Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org. Kwan Ku and Mike Gibson coming to you from ACC 2022. And we are talking about the flavor RCT. This is a, you know, a prize fight between anatomy and physiology. Uh, FFR versus IVIS in guiding uh, PCI. So, you know, I'm really interested to see what you're going to say here, Dr. Ku. Uh, tell us what you did and what you found. Okay, so that the this trial was a international multi-center investigator initiated study that was designed and performed to compare the efficacy of the physiology or FFR guided PCI strategy with the IVUS guided PCI strategy in patients with the intermediate coronary stenosis. So our working hypothesis was that the FFR guided PCI will be not inferior in regards the primary endpoint of our study, patient-oriented composite outcome at two years after randomization in comparison with the IVUS-guided PCI strategy. So as uh, we enrolled and screened around 1,700 patients and finally enrolled 1,682 patients into the FFR-guided PCI group, and IVUS guided PCI group. And this was a randomized study. So as you may expect, there was no difference in baseline characteristics. And in terms of the physiology and IVUS finding in FFR group, mean FFR was 0.83. And in IVUS group, minimal lumen area mean value was 3.4 and plaque burden was 70%. So we followed these patients, two groups in two years, and we found that the FFR guided PCI was non-inferior in comparison with the IVUS group in terms of the patient-oriented composite outcome. So p-value for non-inferiority was 0.015. And for the, this was a non-inferiority design so for the primary endpoint, the upper limit of 95% confidence interval was 2.2 percentage points, which was within the pre-specified non-inferiority margin of 2.5 percentage points. And the results were similar with the per protocol analysis like the ITT analysis. And we also analyzed the patient reported outcomes using Seattle Angina questionnaire. And we found that the, there was no difference in SAQ scores in the volume of physical lim limitation, angina severity, frequency, treatment satisfaction, and quality of life. And as this PCI strategy was determined by the predefined criteria of FFR 0.8 or less in the FFR-guided PCI group. And in the IVUS-guided PCI group, 
we define two criteria for MLA3 or less square millimeter. And in case of MLA3 to 4, plaque burden should be more than 70%. So in terms of patient level PCI, IVUS guided group had a higher percentage of PCI, 65%, in comparison with the FFR guided PCI group, 44%. And in terms of target vessel, there was a PCI rate of the 58% in IVUS guided group and 33% FFR guided group. So in summary, I can say that the inpatients with the intermediate degree of coronary stenosis, FFR guided PCI was not inferior to IVUS guided PCI in regards to POCO, which was a composite of death, MI, and any revascularization, but FFR-guided PCI was associated with the low rate of stent implantation without the difference in patient-reported outcome. So this is the summary of design, performance, and outcome of this study. Uh, excellent summary, Dr. Koo. Uh, just to clarify, these people did not have an acute coronary syndrome. They were troponin-negative patients. Most, so, most, but the, we included around 30% uh, unstable angina patient as well. So that's yeah. around 60% stable angina, 30% uh, coronary syndrome patients. Great. And um, was there crossover? Did people cross over between the IVIS group and the FFR group? Uh, there was a crossover, but the crossover rate was very minimal. And there was, a, of course, some protocol violation. There was uh, 16 cases of protocol violation in FFR guided group due to the you know, PCI for negative FFR and deferral in positive FFR and 28 protocol violations in IVUS group. But the those crossover protocol violation rate was very, very low. And two-year follow-up a two-year follow rate was almost 99% in both groups. And was there any use of these two strategies to not only identify lesions, but to optimize the outcomes? In other words, was there use of post-PCI FFR and post-PCI IVUS? Right, I think that's also a very important question. So we also had a predefined criteria for optimal PCI, and we strongly recommend to the investigators to try their best to achieve the optimization criteria, which was that the in FFR group, post-PCI FFR 0.88 or higher, or post-PCI delta FFR across the stent less than 0.05. And in case of the IVS guided PCI group, the optimal PCI criteria was plaque burden at stent edge 55% or less, plus minimum stent area 5.5 square millimeter or higher, or the minimum stent area larger than distal reference lumen area. So what we found was interesting was that the, even we strongly advocate the use of the optimal PCI criteria, 
the optimization rate was around 50%. Actually, it was less than 50%. And in our study, there was a numerical difference in optimal group and suboptimal group, but statistically no difference in outcome in optimal versus suboptimal group, which means that the, we need further data and we maybe we need larger cohort to show the difference and further in-depth analysis for this optimization versus outcome. And, you know, death and MI are the harder endpoints. Now, we've asked this important, but death and MI are, you know, the harder endpoints. Was there any difference in death and MI? I mean, numerically, what did the numbers look like there? Uh, numerically, death from any cause was higher in IVUS guided PCI group due to small difference in cardiac cause death. Mm -hmm. But of course, there was no difference in statistical difference for death. Myocardial infarction included per procedure. Versus well, that's what death. I was going to say. If you're doing fewer PCIs in the FFR group, you may have reduced procedural MI. So that's why I was curious about the MI signal. So it's what we found was quite interesting. So that the we used a archetype MI definition, so called, and in that definition, numerically per procedure MI rate was higher in FFR group. So mm -hmm. we found it's interesting. But the, when we apply the ischemia definition or Excel definition, the results was a little bit reverse. Hmm. But of course, we should say that there was no statistical difference and number was low and the percentage of purposes MI was around 1%. So we cannot tell something, but it's interesting to see that according to the definition of the purposes MI, the trend was changed. So it's quite It all depends on the definition in these studies. Right. So definition matters. And, you know, revask as an endpoint, if you're doing fewer initial revasks in the FFR group, you always expect to see a little catch up in many studies in revask. Uh, was there a little more catch up in revask in the FFR group? Actually, so when we divided the subjects into the PCI versus medical treatment cohort. So you may expect that the IVUS negative is really, really safe cohort because that the generally the IVUS criteria has a very high negative predictive value. But in our study, medical treatment cohort, had, the difference was very minimal in two years, IVUS guided deferral or PCI, two-year outcome, two-year event rate, primary endpoint was 5.9%, but IVUS group 5.0%. So there was no difference in outcomes and we cannot see the kind of late catch-up in during the two-year follow-up results, but we'll see what will happen during the five-year results. So what was interesting in our analysis was that the 
numerically in PCI group, event rate was lower in IVUS group. And we already know that the IVUS in several studies and lots of meta-analysis show that the advantage, even in terms of hard end point in comparison with the angio-guided PCI. So we can see that kind of trend there, but as we had, we included kind of intermediate lesion cohort. So the relative risk may be not that high. So there wasn't significant difference in, in outcomes, even in the PCI group as well. So at the end of the day, uh, how does this change practice uh, in your practice personally? And do you think uh, it changes practice uh, broadly around the world? So I personally think that the, I, I become more confident in I'm a physiology biased person. So I become more confident in my approach because theoretically, there's a lots of concept and new studies such as uh, uh, prospect observe and prospect two trials and, and several studies show that the targeting the vulnerability. Of course, I should say that the, uh, we are analyzing only the lumen and plaque burden, but we know that the plaque burden is the key element for the plaque vulnerability. Having said that, there was a strong nuance that the, if we fix the vulnerable plaque or high burden plaque, we can try out the FFR-guided physiology. And I also admit that the IVS-guided PCI may be better than FFR-guided PCI. So the best thing should be the FFR-guided decision and IVS-guided PCI, but that cannot be generalizable. So there are lots of theories and ongoing studies, but at this moment, when someone are thinking about the possibility of IVUS benefit during PCI and more discrimination of vulnerable plaque, I can say that still physiology-directed therapy shows that the non-inferiority in terms of outcomes using less resources and no difference in patient reported outcome. So why not stick to the guideline directed therapy? So we are still beyond the stage of vulnerability or plaque burden guided PCI. Even IVS guided PCI can provide us a more confident results in terms of PCI outcomes. I think you make a lot of great points, namely that these two strategies are complementary in many cases, rather than competitive. Um, and, uh, you know, I also want to make sure I, the audience understands that FFR in the setting of acute coronary syndromes does not have a good track record. Um, and that's why I asked you about, you know, the mix of unstable angina, stable angina, and hot, you know, there's different spectrums of ACS. There's, you know, troponin negative, but unstable angina. Then there's, you know, uh, non-STEMI with a high troponin, et cetera. So, 
you know, it'll be interesting to see some of your data is their interaction terms there between unstable angina and stable angina and outcomes. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little of both. I'm a physiology guy and an anatomy guy, but it's interesting to see that it was kind of a toss up here, but the right answer might be a little bit of both, but a great study, Dr. Ku. Thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for a thoughtful discussion. And thanks to all of you for joining us here from ACC 2022.